Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. We've got a very special podcast today. We're being joined by the former Reading FC captain, Paul McShane. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? Not too bad in this corona-filled world. How are you? Ah, sure. Yeah, it's all a bit, it's all a bit crazy at the minute. It is, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. Kind of. But I think we need to kind of like talk about football because people have so much of that right now, don't they? It's kind of. Everything you turn on, Corona, weather, Corona, doesn't matter what it is, so let's get to this. So you yeah. signed in 2015 after being at Hull. What kind of first attracted you to come to Reading? Um, what did kind of Steve Clark do to convince you to come? Um, well, I met, I met Steve over in Dublin. Uh, I was with the Irish team at the, at the time. And um, he rang me and said, listen, I want to want to meet you, so... He um, flew over to to Dublin, and I met him, and I had a chat, and he sort of he he uh, convinced me that the the club were looking to get promoted to the Premier League, and um, he wanted to sort of restructure the squad a little bit and get um I don't know I think he wa- wanted me to come in and sort of shake the place up a little bit. That's that's what I sort of got from him, and. Um, so it was it was a good chat I had with him, and I knew I knew Reading was it was a good club, and I knew I knew from uh, Kevin Doyle, Stephen Hunt, and uh, Shane Long that um, it was a, it was a good club. So um, yeah, so that was that was pretty much pretty much it, and and Steve really wanted me, and that that was a big a big turning point for me. Yeah, there's such a strong Irish connection with Reading, isn't there? It's huge. It's kind of endless the amount of players you've had, and they've all all of them been pretty much really good signings. Yeah, no, yeah, the, especially the lads that I've just mentioned there, they they had really good, uh, successful spells at the club, and um, you know, it's uh, they they always rave about how, how they enjoyed it at, at Reading. So, um, yeah, it's, it's 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 had a good Irish connection over the, over a few years. So we start that season really well. Nick Blackman's on fire. Everything's going quite well. We went in at Brentford, multiple wins, almost kind of feeling unstoppable. But then there's a pivotal moment that comes in November of that season with Steve Clark talking to Fulham. How do the players deal with that situation when a manager does that kind of thing? Yeah, it was it was um it was it was mad, yeah. It was mad. <laughs> Just because we were going so well, you know, we 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 start well. We started at at Birmingham, um, lost that game, but was we we could have won it as well. And um, then we got back and we we had a few draws as well. And at the time, I'm thinking, oh, when like uh, when am I going to get my first win as as captain? You know, I'm thinking, sometimes <laughs> if we never win, what's, what's going to happen then? So it was um, once we got that first win. Um, you know, we were we we hit a purple patch then, and we were flying, and uh, Nick Blackman was flying. He was he was banging in the goals, and and then we came back after the international break, and it was against Charlton, we beat them. So I'm thinking, here we go again, like we're gonna romp romp the league. <laughs> and then there was that, um, yeah, Steve obviously spoke to Fulham, and then and then people start becoming a little bit unsure. I think the players were there's a lot of like questioning from from the players and. Um, it was just a really strange atmosphere around around the place, and then the tides started to turn a little bit, 
and uh, we never got it back. And then, I, then the, the the owners, whatever I don't know what sort of relationship they had with with Steve, but they seemed to to make a quick call. And um, yeah, then Steve was gone. Yeah, we had the tie owners then. We've been through so many owners. It's good to kind of like remind ourselves which ones we had at that moment. And kind of then we had Brian McDermott coming in. I mean, if you look at that team that we had there, we had some decent players, but we had a lot of lone players. We had the Ola John, we had the Piazza on there, we had the Vidra there. How do you find it playing with so many lone players and kind of character-wise, how do you think they mix in? Yeah, it's, it's always a tricky one, the lone players, because when, when you when you get lone players, you have to make sure that you're you're definitely getting the right character in as well, because at the end of the day, that, that it's not their parent club, and whatever happens, they can always go back to their own club and you know sort of forget what's happened in the previous one. But um, yeah, it was it was a strange one because we had loads of lone players and we could only have a certain amount in the squad, so um, Steve was rotating rotating the lone players on the bench and stuff and when we're going well it was good you know because when you're winning things are things are nice and and smooth but when you start losing games that's when all the problems start cut to come to the surface and um when when the change of manager as well because obviously steve brought in a lot of lone players and he he kept on top of them pretty well but when once he left you know, players start questioning things, you know, who's going to be brought in and all this sort of crack. Like, so um, it became a bit of a problem then. Yeah, and, and then, you will know more than anyone because you were the captain. So you've got to kind of lead that up. But that's difficult when you've got so many fractures around you that you can't actually control. Yeah, it was, it was, um, that's, that's, that's one thing as well that I, that I sort of learned from, from my time at Reading and, and learned from being a, a club captain is, um, is finding the balance of trying to get the most out of players and sort of I think sometimes at times I think I was probably too strong you know because I was des- I was so desperate to get back to get back with the, uh, to the Premier League and you know when when I felt as if people weren't um, pulling their weight or they were sort of taking the taking the piss really you know I'd sort of I'd I'd be vocal about that and I'd confront a lot of people about that sort of stuff. And um, at times it was too much to take on, I think. And, and I saw, I sometimes I suffered myself in trying to do that. But, um, you know, last season was just, it was, it was madness, like in the end, like, because I just felt as if people just didn't want to be there, you know, and it was, it was very, it was, di- it was very difficult, especially towards the end of Brian McDermott's term, like towards the end of the season, I think it was the, the last game of the season was Blackburn. And people didn't want to. It felt like people didn't even want to run. You know, it was it was weird. It was we could have got hammered ten nil that day as well. I remember we went we went two nil down in the first five minutes, and I remember saying to the players like, "Listen, this could get embarrassing now. Like, we really need to get our act together, or this could be ten or fifteen. I think we lost three one, which was a good result in the end. I think <laughs> that's where it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can see it as a fan. It takes a while to notice it a bit more because if you're in the dressing room like you are, you can see it every day in training. But as a player, as a fan, you just see it on the pitch and you think, why aren't they moving? Okay, I'm seeing this week after week now and players aren't making that move. They're making it deliberately hard for the other player to pass to them and put themselves in positions which are making the other player look bad rather than the ball. It's a kind of, they're playing a separate thing, which is apart from the team. And 
kind of, I don't know, how do you kind of get away from that? The only way is to get rid of them, isn't it, basically? Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much, yeah. That, well, it's, it's, you can't try and, you know, bring them around and you can do certain things and, you know, sort of have, have chats with them, private chats with them, but it's how, 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 how much of that do you do? It's got to, it's got to come from within the player himself to actually want to do well for, for himself. Because, you know, it's, it's all about that, having that bit of self-respect and, um, you know, a bit, a bit of pride in your performance. You know, no matter if you, if you, if you like the club or you don't like the club or you think you should be somewhere else, you still got, you still got to perform on the pitch every, every week and you're performing for your club, for your fans. So it's, um, you need to have that little bit of, of self-respect as well. So possibly some of those frustrations came out of Middlesbrough away when you had a little <laughs> bit of, you know what's coming, don't you? <laughs> a little yeah. bit of the dust-up with uh, Danny Williams in the game that we lost 2-1. Now, what kind of build-up was there to that? Was it just something that happened on the pitch? Um. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was yeah, I was... I got on well with Danny. You know, Danny is he's an eccentric character, and he's, he's you know he's uh, I, I got on with him, and it was just uh, I think it was in in the game we should have won that game as well. You know, it was really frustrating because of of how bad the season was going at that particular time. We could have we could have made it a little bit better for ourselves because we weren't we were sort of on the edge. You know, we could have maybe kicked on a little bit, but we just we we obviously didn't and. Um, you know, in in that game, it was we. I think we had a great chance. Fiedra had a great chance to score. I don't know whether that was before or after the incident, but, but anyway, um, it was. I think it was Garrett McCleary was running down the the right wing, and uh, Danny was behind him, and um, I was just thinking Danny should have backed him up a little bit, you know. And then afterwards, it, they broke on us, you know, like they, they they and they nearly scored, so. I just had it. I just said to Danny, like, you know, I said, what, what are you doing? Like, not as nice as that. No. But, but I was like, you know, trying to get across, like, like back, back, like, you should have backed G up or whatever. But then he, like, you know, he's a, he's got a bit of a, he's a bit fiery as Danny. So um, he basically told me where to go about 25 times, mind. <laughs> so that's when we, then, then we sort of just, all of a sudden we start, like, walking towards each other, like, and then, thing was I went to put my head towards his head but he pulled away so it looked like I, I headbutted him but it was just it was just because it was repeated though 20 times on the hour and Sky Sports News the next day is is which made it look much much worse like so I think I've seen something recently on the on the it was it was actually uh, Bakuna and some other player yes yeah and, that, yes, yeah that was worse than, yeah. than me and Danny's but I don't think anything got done about that no, I don't think so. I think you're right. I don't think actually there was any kind. Yeah, because yours got done. Yeah, I remember that now. We got yeah, three games. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, so then then we had a little bit in the changing room afterwards as well, um, which then like I, I think I remember. I think it was Jordan Obita. Jordan Obita was talking to his missus, and I think he said there was a bit of a scuffle in the changing room and. I think she told my my missus, and I was like, ah, I said it was nothing. I said it was fine, like you know, it was just one of them things. 
then I was I remember I was cooking dinner here on the on the Wednesday night and it came on Scott, uh, BBC News. <laughs> it came on BBC News saying that Reading players are fighting each other and stuff like that. She just looked at me and went, Oh, it wasn't too bad, was it? I was like, oh, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I think you'd lost it there. I don't think you were convincing her after that one, where you were told that. No, no, no. <laughs> but if things happen in the dressing room, that must be a quite a common thing with footballers. I mean, there's a lot of kind of adrenaline there. Players want to win. If you've got the right team mentality, not necessarily with that team specifically, but it, that's not that unusual, is it? To have people have disagreements in the dressing room or training ground? Um, no, 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 it's not, no. I've had I've had quite a few in me t- in me past to be honest with you, but I think it's it 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 can be healthy, you know. Yeah. I I'd actually prefer it that way than the other way. Then people yeah get just, it all out there yeah people just going out training and going through the motions going back home and you know forgetting about things. I I think that training should be competitive every day. People should be should be looking over their shoulders, worried about their their places. You know, wanting to. To stay in the team, you know, it, it definitely gets the best out of of everyone, and I think it's um, I think it's uh, it can be a healthy thing. Yeah, no, I think so as well. I think if you're just gonna like not say what you think about each other, what's the point? You've got to get it out there, haven't you? And you like you've got to have that competitiveness there. Yeah. So we come to the end of that season. Brian McDermott leaves, sacked, needs consent. Nobody quite knows exactly what's going on there. That's a typical club situation. Then. Yapstam comes in. Now, Yapstam, without question, is one of the world's best ever defenders. Whatever your fact, whoever you support, that is just basically a fact. What were your first thoughts when you saw Yapstam was appointed for? Um, I, was, I was buzzing, to be honest. Um, even though I didn't, you just never know what, what people are going to be like. You can, you know, it's it's not automatically that the best players in the world become the best managers in the world. Sometimes it's it's the total opposite, just because I think the best players in the world find it so naturally. Just football comes natural to them that they find it hard to actually explain to get across the player. But when I when I came in and I could I I could tell within the first couple of weeks of preseason that we had we had a a, a very very good coach, and you know I just I just really enjoyed it. It was, you know, to 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 play that style of football. Um, you know, I, I think I was thirty when he came in. He just opened my eyes to a lot of things, and it's you know, it was, it was so simple as well. As I was thinking, why well, I've never really thought of that before, and it was just um, it was he was just a really good coach, and I I learned I learned a, a lot off him. Yeah, what do you think he changed most about your game? Thinking about the game more, I think. Um, just simple stuff. It was really simple stuff, like playing out from the back, and it was because I was always told I, I was when I first came over to England. I, I came over to Manchester United at sixteen, and we always played out from the back at sixteen. But I never really knew how. As in, when teams would press us, we'd probably just kick it long, you know. But when we get it back down again, we 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 play. But. Yeah, was all about like okay, if they close you down this way, you you know make this movement and you know like sort of rotation off the back four and there's there's all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, and I was just thinking like I've you know I've never really it just make it just all made sense. I'm thinking why why haven't never been sort of taught this before? So it was just it was a breath of fresh air. 
and and then his, his little tips that he'd tell you. Obviously, being a centre back, you know, he'd he'd have some really really good tips, and um, that's you know they were they were like very very important and very helpful <laughs> for me. So. Him, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. So yeah. And when he, when he joined in as well, he joined in trains sometimes and show you exactly what he wanted and. Um, you know, it was it was it was it used to be really good watching them play in training. So it was you know it was very enjoyable. Yeah, I spoke to Liam more about this. He said one of the things that uh, Yapstam taught him was uh, about um, using your arms basically a lot on shirts and making sure you made contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. He always did say that. He said he, he didn't understand why defenders don't use their arms. Like they play with their arms by their side. So he, he was he was very just little tips like that or. Or even there was one tip he used to say when if um, a team was playing with one striker and he was trying to like get you into a trap, like to try and curve his run and close you down, he'd say just face the, the striker up and run at him with the ball. So he'd have to make a decision. But I remember doing it against uh, Bristol City away at a, against uh, Tammy Abraham. And I... I looked at him and I ran at him with the ball, but I took a bit of a heavy touch. <laughs> and I... I nearly ended up like in a 50-50 with him, but I just—I actually got there in the end and passed it off. But I think I got a free kick for it because then he wiped me out because it was close. <laughs> so it was, um, but just them simple things was—it was—it was, it was good. Yeah, getting back to that season though, that was uh, a crazy season because if you look at the season we had before, no one would have predicted we'd finish third in that season, get to a playoff final. At what point were you thinking? There's something serious building here. Not kind of hopeful, but really solidly thinking it. Um, I don't know. I don't know because I was, I was so um, things were going so well that I just was just I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to. I don't know. I was I was just going with the flow, basically, because we're just going into one game into the next and winning and winning. And then sometimes we we got hammering a lot of a lot of times that season, mm. but always the next game we seemed to bounce back. And you know, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just that we were we were just playing so well. You know, people were people were working hard, and they were, you know, we I think a few people had a few points to prove as well that season. And it was just a, a good combination of things. And then we just got we got just got on a stride. We just got in our flow and ended up uh, coming third. So it was it was good. But then the you know with the big kick in the teeth was losing the playoff final yes definitely but going back to the semi-final against Fulham in the first leg Paul, how do you feel when you get sent off in a match and you know you're going to miss the final that must be so difficult to deal with because you can't affect it then yeah that was oh jeez that was tough that was probably one of the toughest moments of my career that was and it was yeah it was oh. Just because of the the hard work that we put in for the whole season, I was I, I was there played the majority of, of of the games, and then I was I was I was injured leading up to the to the to the playoffs. I had picked up a little like a calf in, or a little hamstring, but then I was so eager to come back. I ended up picking up a little calf again, so I was out for maybe five five six weeks leading into the into the playoff final. And I, I remember making the Burton game played like the the first 45 minutes and then I went straight into the Fulham game and I just remember when like when the incident happened it was I was just so knackered I was like I was flat out on my feet like I was 
and my nails in my boots were like blistering. You know that blood, you know those blood blisters in your like, because because basically I hadn't trained that much, so I basically gone from being out to playing 45 against Burton and then straight into the playoffs. So I, I remember the bench asking like, "Are you alright?" I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm, like, I'm flat out here." Like so. Then I remember the ball bouncing, and I'm thinking. Like I, I can get there, and like it was, it was, a, I could make a bit of a statement, like a bit of a tackle, and that would give us a really good boost. But I just missed the ball by a, a fraction, and then obviously, obviously the the slow down versions and the frozen pictures looked like I, like I absolutely went for him, but I didn't even touch him. That's that's the, the thing. But he did play to it well. Um, and McDonald and he, you know he, he got me sent off but it was it was one of the lowest points of my career to be honest just because of the the effort that I put into that whole season even the season before and I'm thinking this is what I've come to Reading for was to was to get the club promoted back to the Premier League and to be so close and then not being able to to have any part in the final it was you know I remember like even the 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 I think now the next day the next day I think we were in we were in for a cool down and yeah yeah tried to speak to me in the gym and I just start crying I just couldn't like I couldn't control myself so I had to actually had to walk out of the walk out of the gym and sort of just get off because I was bawling my eyes out because I knew that this could be one of the last chances I'd get to get back to the Premier League and it was just a really really tough time for me like really tough to take and it, it took me a long time to get over it to be honest yeah, no, I can see why. This is, this is why doing these podcasts, you see a different side. Because as a fan, you just see them on the pitch and you see them as kind of like, some fans think that players aren't affected by things, but that, that can't be true. Players are human, just like everybody else, and they have emotions yeah. and they have disappointments. And yeah, it's kind of what you see behind it is, I just think it's fascinating because yeah. you don't get a chance to speak about it very often. Definitely not through official sources. No. Yeah. No, that's what. That's the thing is, it's hard. It's always. It's, I was even nearly crying speaking about it there because because yeah. you, you revisit mm. the the emotions of it all, mm. and to miss to miss a game like that at, at Wembley as well is you know it's you know people don't often get to do that in their careers and and I was you know I missed it over just a, a moment of of exhaustion, a split second probably of exhaustion, and it was um yeah it was a, it was tough one it really was tough to take. It was an awful final, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, and it was the toughest match I've ever watched because, obviously, I was kicking every ball in the stand, but it was just so, it was just so on edge, wasn't it? Like that, two oh. teams were just terrified to, terrified to make a mistake. I think. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I've spoken to other players about this, and I think it is kind of. They say, "Oh no, they go out and they try to play their normal game," but how can you in such a massive match? That's yeah. so difficult. There's so much on it for all your careers. I know you're playing for a team there, but to play in the Premier League is what everyone in that team wants to do. And that is the goal. And they know one team at the end of that match is not going to get it, aren't they, basically? Yeah. And the thing was, it was two teams that probably weren't predicted that were going to be there. And it was, was, was going to be a massive, a massive turning point for, for both clubs. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just... It was very, 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 very tense and not the best to watch. No, no, I might. I, 
yeah, missing the penalties. I could see how that happened to anyone. I would never blame anyone for missing penalties like that because that is so much pressure. Yeah. Get up and take that. So we then move through the preseason for the next uh, one. And yep, Sam is still there. Signed a new contract in the summer. Obviously, you're still there, Paul. <laughs> Going into it, with all the players that had left, the injuries, did you think we were going to realistically go for the Premier League or were you a little bit concerned? No, I, I, I'm, I, don't know, I think I'm an optimist, but I thought we were, we were going to be up there. Definitely thought we were going to be up there, especially when we when we got in Shawnee. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, because he was such a brilliant player for, for Fulham. Um, he was a massive part of their their success. So I'm thinking, you know, we've got him. And I remember trying to, I remember telling Brian McDermott actually the year before to try and sign him because he was on a free from Hull. And I was at him, I was with him at Hull, so I knew that you know that he was a brilliant player. So to eventually get him, I'm thinking, you know, that's that's good. You know, it's a good signing. But you know, it just didn't it just didn't quite work out. No, I mean, Aluko has had, had a tough time at um, uh, Reading, that's for certain. But sometimes a player doesn't fit, do they? It doesn't matter how yeah. they think. It could be a really class player, but it doesn't quite work. But yeah. in that season, I mean, I worked out before I started this podcast, you've now had, if you count the temporary managers, in your time at Reading, eight different managers. I mean, that's a bit crazy, isn't it, really? Just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. Well, a few of them are obviously temporary ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was not ideal. Yeah, not ideal at all. For no. sure. In that season, the next season though, we had an FA Cup match at Stevenage, and there was an incident which was built, I suspect, from the frustration of all the months building up to that. And there was, at the full time, you reacted towards the Reading fans. You apologised at the time. Now we're two years on. What do you think of that incident? Yeah, it was... <laughs> it was just, a, obviously, the frustrations of building up because um, we didn't start quite as we expected. And we're going through a, we're going through a difficult patch. And I just remember the Stevenish game. Obviously, we'd had players that hadn't played in a while because it was, it was the third round of the cup and third round of the cups are difficult difficult games you know especially against the, the lower league teams and the Stevenage game it was a tough game so the, the, just the frustration thing was like after after the first minute the fans were on our backs and it was literally they were that close like Anzi Yacola was in goal for the first time I don't know, in his Reading career, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure. Like, it was one of his first starts. Thiago was one of Thiago's first starts. Um, Omar, I think, was playing left-back. So, and the way we were obviously trying to play, we had a philosophy that we that got us that success in the first year. Obviously, it hadn't quite clicked in the second year, but we were still trying to stick to it. To have, to, just to have the fans booing us, it was, it was quite difficult to take. And then the Stevenage fans were, were, were joining in. And it was just like we were getting ridiculed, you know. And and I I I seen every day where where well I was working very hard every day to try and get it right. A lot of other people were, and I'm just thinking, give the give the lads a chance, you know. So that was the most frustration frustrating thing. And then at the end of the the game, obviously, you know, my passion sort of 
you know, went a little bit too much. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, we say that we want to see a bit of passion, but sometimes this is a byproduct of, of passion to show a bit of emotion and to, you know, we're not all robots, but I know, I know, like, after the game, I made a mistake, like, you know, but I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm captain of the club, of the club, and I'm captain of these players, and I'm sticking up for the players. So that's why I sort of had that reaction as if, like, to, to say, come on, let's just get into the dressing room. Obviously, obviously the fans weren't behind us today, so, so why clapped up? That was my thinking at the time, but I, I know... I knew I knew pretty much straight after. I'm thinking not everyone was was booing us. I know there's a lot of like good genuine fans in in that crowd and uh, what that fans that come and watch us play every week and and they and they can say what they want to be honest. You know they're entitled to that. So I recognise my my mistake and obviously I I, I apologise pretty much straight after it. But but it's a bit of a turning point I think with me and the fans to be honest. But you know, we, we want passion in the game, but also we don't want too much. I don't know. Yeah, I would rather see a passionate player every single time because if you don't have that in a player, I think it's a key factor because if you don't, if that isn't there, you're going to get weak team mentality. And I think having a captain who sometimes goes over the edge, um, someone else, Irish, Roy King, definitely had that in his blood. <laughs> And someone who would do that. But look at all the other positives to him. Massive mm. amounts of positives. And like yourself, I think you were personally a really good captain of Reading. So at the time when you did that, I thought, I can see how it's happened. Players, as I've said before, they're going to react to these things sometimes. And I don't, I don't blame them. That's what just one match you built that up, is it really, Paul? Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It was, it was just the frustration of a build-up of, 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 of things. And just you know, I knew that got success in the in the in the in the first season, and I I believed it was the right way to play, but it just wasn't going for us. It just wasn't clicking for us. And I think I think uh, I don't know. A lot of people, everyone needed to buy into that sort of style of play. I'm not sure everybody did. So become quite you know become very difficult in the end and. I just thought like, at that time, you know, third round of the cup away at Stevenage, it's a it's a potential banana skin. But then to have your own fans then as well on your back is is also a, a difficult. So at the time, you know, I just you know obviously it was a, a it was a bad call by me to, what to do at the end of the game. But as I said, it was it was um, it was just a bit of passion that sort of overspilled a little bit and. Um, you know, I knew I know there there were some genuine fans in the in the crowd that day, and should have showed them more respect at the time. These things happen in life, don't they, Paul? <laughs> These yeah. things do happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is what it definitely yeah. not. But as we were talking about him, Paul Clement then comes in. Uh, Yap Stam leaves. His last game is against Norwich City. We lose that game. Kind of. It's another manager we're talking about here, leaving, coming. It's a constant flow of dreading. What were the kind of like build-up and reasons? Because it seemed like watching Reading at that point, there were certain players who were given everything and certain players who weren't necessarily working for the team and working for themselves. Do you think that is a fair comment? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely a fair comment, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think the one of the biggest one of the biggest things that I found was that 
when we got to uh, transfer windows, some I just couldn't understand some of the calls that were being made in them transfer windows. To be honest, it was it was. Um, Thing is, if I I don't know if I was a if I was a whatever if I was a person making decisions on transfers at at Reading FC, the top would have to be desire and hunger. That's that's that would have to be the first thing, and then the rest is a bonus. Because I, I just I just feel as if there's been a few that have taken taken the mick a little bit out of the club and have come to the club on basically free wages and they've not they've not give everything that they've got. And I think it's come to the point now where that needs to be on the top is is a desire and hunger to succeed, um, and I, I feel as if that's been it's been sort of the identity of the club for the last few good few years. I think that's why um, Reading have been so inconsistent because of of that character that that's coming through the door. Not all the characters we have. There's been some really good characters that have been signed and. There's been some really decent players that's been signed, but it just takes one or two, just takes one or two bad bad apples to rot the whole cart. So I just that's what I say about that. Yeah, no, I think every Red fan would be totally agreeing with you. The recruitment has been uh, shit, basically. Yeah, it's just been so erratic and really poor all over the place. But we get to the last day of the season. I'm going to gloss over the 4-0 defeat against Ipswich at home. we move on from that one. Yes. And we're going to, last day, Cardiff City. We stay up. And then after that, you have everyone. You say, offer out. I'll come to the pub at the gateway. And I was one of the people that went to that one. Not many captains of Reading would ever have done that. And got to thank you for that. Because you're putting yourself in a position where people like to give out abuse and all these things online. But much harder to do it into your face, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, it is. And it was because I got injured in January. So yeah. I, I I tore my hamstring like badly. So I was out for I was out for 15 weeks, the specialist said. And the season was going so bad, you know, I was you know, I'd make sure I'm I'm there in the dressing room and I wanted to be there as much as I could with the lads and you know, not not go hiding. You know, because obviously as a club captain, you've got you've got responsibilities, and I wanted to try and help as much as I could. So, you know, watching watching the games that season, and not being able to affect anything from it was it was the game after Stephen Jack. He was whole city away, and to not be able to to affect things, it was it was it was fairly stressful. And sometimes I think as as a captain as well. When you're not on the pitch with the lads, so stuff you say doesn't really carry that that much weight with certain characters. You know, it's basically like, well, you're not playing, so what? What? What's? You know what I mean? What? What? Could, what are you? What are you saying that for? Basically, you know, they can't see, can't see certain things. So it was just that was my way of, um, yeah, just saying thanks to the fans really for. For their support in such in such difficult times because we were losing pretty much every week, yeah. so it was just a it was just a little something, you know. So it was it was um, yeah, it was I, I I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Definitely, <laughs> Tab Ten has gone down in legend. <laughs> <laughs> but the gateway is a good pub anyway, so it's kind of like yeah. yeah. I also discovered your love of Irish music that night. Do I? Your love of Irish music. 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I do love my my Irish music. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I listen to I listen to it pretty much pretty much every day in the car in the, in the car. That's the that's my first choice of music, which does me misses head in to be honest. <laughs> so she's uh, yeah, she's I've not really, she likes a few songs, but you know I'm I'm a yeah I, I do love my Irish music. Yeah, no, I can't say I know a lot of it, but you know it's everyone to their own, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's only really appreciated when you hear it live. That's the thing, you know. Oh, when, it's, okay. when it's live in a in a in an Irish pub the, with the atmosphere, it's okay. you know it's 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 hard to be. I need to go to Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. I need to go there. It's yeah, so you have to wait. Great. You have to wait a few months yet. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's a fair point, yeah. I won't be going anywhere, no. <laughs> no, you took it over, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Very good, very good. So 2018-19 we're coming to now. So it's a kind of... Paul Clement is still there. We make our worst start in 147 years. Now, I feel like I'm associating all of this with you, and it clearly isn't all down to you. There's lots of other players around you. But you suffering quite a lot of injuries by this point um how frustrating is that again because like you say you've had another one from the end of the season and then you come in and you play against Blackburn and there's two penalties you give away Paul how what happened in that game yeah well the thing is it was yeah it was um, yeah, it was the derby game it all started at the derby game where thought we played quite well yeah. you know and we 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 conceded two well actually the second goal but we could the first goal we could see it was very very soft which 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 let them back into it and you know ended up losing in the last minute last kick it was the last kick of the game last header of the game whatever so um to to lose that game was a real you know it was it was it was quite it was quite tough to take but anyway we move on and you know, I, I did I did have whatever I was going back from a bad injury the year before, but I had a full preseason behind me. You know, so I don't, you know, that's not an excuse. But the the Blackburn game actually felt really good in the Blackburn game. We played like the best forty five minutes that we played. We're two 0 up at half time, feeling good. I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself actually, I've, I felt like I've turned the corner here in my fitness. You know, because. And the season before, I actually tried to come back in that from that hamstring injury like too early, and then I've done me hamstring again. So it was this sort of reoccurrence injuries that kept happening. I was, it was like I was, I was probably too eager to to get back. And I just couldn't. I know I was, you know, should have known better at whatever thirty odd years of age. But sometimes you do think you can defy odds and you can come back earlier. But it just wasn't happening. But anyway, the Blackburn game. Um, at half time, I remember saying to everyone, saying, "Listen, right, you know, let's all just, you know, make sure the first fifteen minutes or so we're we're solid or whatever." And then me, the this fella giving it all the chat at half time, <laughs> I went out and it was just one of them things. The first penalty was, you probably could have given two penalties for the first penalty. It was because it was so clear, and you can yeah. accept, you can totally accept that because it was. You know, it's just a decision. As a defender, it's, it's basically the law of averages. As a defender, you, you you make a mistake; it can be crucial. And I think before that, I in the all the games I'd played, I think I'd give one penalty away before that in my first year. 
was just, you know, it was, it was a half time. Was, there was just a clearance to be made and I just went for it and he just nipped there in front of me and, you know, it was a penalty, you know, hands up. But the second penalty was so ridiculous to give that. You know, there, that referee, and I, was, I know that ref, I've had him before and I remember he booked me away at Fulham in the first 30 seconds for, for saying something to him. You know, he just... It was it's Ollie, uh, Ollie something. I don't know his surname, but he's just every time I've had him, we've had we've had big like you know sort of clashes, and for him to give that penalty, it was just so so ridiculous because I didn't even. It was actually I was actually trying to block the ball, so I didn't actually tackle. It was just as it was like a block, so I dived in front of the ball, but Charlie Mulgrew just jumped on the ground and. I didn't want to come out at the time and say it wasn't a penalty, it's not this, it's not that, because, you know, it was because he gave it. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to, I just, it was just one of those things I had to take it on the chin. But now, looking back, it was just such a ridiculous penalty to give. But it was, it was really tough after that, like, because I still, I think there was still like 20 minutes to go. And it was, you know, to give away two penalties in a game and then to also have, like, a lot of the game to go. I'm just thinking, please God, let's just get out of here with a point and just, you know, take it on the chin. And you know, it's it's just one of them things. That's 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 life as a defender. You know, things happen. I give away two penalties. Jamie Carragher one time scored two on goals at Old Trafford in the, you know, in the peak of his career or whatever. And well, not the peak, but you know, he was he was a Liverpool player and. To score two on goals away at Old Trafford, you know, it's just it's just one of them things, and um, and just to set, I just like to look back at that. Um, first one, yeah, hundred percent. Give two or three penalties for that because it was a stonewaller. Second one, it was just a joke, and the referee was a joke. And I've had I've had uh, history with him in the past, so he I think he enjoyed that one. You won't be exchanging Christmas cards with that man, will you? No. No, I won't. No, no. Definitely not. <laughs> He's on your kind of like, you know, hit list of like, never again. Never want to see that man again. Yeah, all. it's tricky though, you know, because they're, they're referees, you know, they, they've got the law in their hands so they can do whatever they want. There must be refs you don't get on with though at all ever. You must see them like this one and you must think, I know it's going to be a bad day for me today. Yeah, the thing is, I get on with, I get on with most refs just because I'm, I try and, I try and have, to, have to crack with them as well. You know what I mean? Because it's a difficult job, it really is. And I, I like to have a bit of a joke with them and, you know, wind them up a little bit and a bit of fun. But when it's when you come up against the referees that just have no personality, it, it, it's difficult. And you try and say something or you try and whatever, talk to them and it's a yellow card and you're thinking, hold on now. Like, what? Just calm down. Like, you know, just like they're, they're trying to tell the players to calm down. But I think sometimes the referees need to calm down. And you think they're enjoying the authority, Paul? I think that's what it is. Yeah. Kind of like I, getting a kick out of it. Yeah, I think it is. But he definitely got a kick out of giving that, that second penalty that, that night. Yeah, and after that, you went a long time before playing another game. Was there an issue with Paul Clement after that? Or was it? Was there an injury going on as well? It was afterwards for a period, but was it an No, it's, yeah, I remember to coming... coming uh, into the next game was Aston Villa away and to be fair I was feeling horrendous after that game I know it was a, it was a Tuesday night game and we were playing I think we were playing Villa on the Saturday I think it was that but I know there was a lot of games in a small space of time and 
you know, I don't know whether it was from the injury the, the year before or whatever, and I don't know, you know, it was, it was, I was finding it a bit, a bit slower to, to recover from from this injury because it was, you know, it's a proper tore my hamstring. It was, it was, it was no um, like grade grade one hammy. It was, you know, it was close to needing surgery. So I don't know whether it was that, but I was feeling, I was feeling like my body was feeling, you know, it was, it was, it was taking its toll a little bit, but. Paul made the decision himself because I didn't want to say I was feeling tired because I wanted to play every game. So he was, he said, "Listen, I'm not going to put you in the squad against Villa." So you know, after giving away two penalties and then being taken out of the squad as as club captain, I'm thinking, you know, is what sort of decision is this? You know, but at the time you haven't got a leg to stand on because it is down as you give away two penalties. So um, yeah, I just I took I took it on the chin. Probably needed the rest really that weekend um, so to get ready for the next week but then training at the start of training the next week actually done me other hamstring in in training I just overstretched and I just done it like in the tendons down the bottom but it wasn't anything significant um, it was like a 10 day injury so came back after 10 days done it again in the first session back like and I was thinking, oh my god, like, and it was, and it just when I was in my rehab, it just wasn't going away. That feeling that I was getting behind my hammy just wasn't going away, and I was so eager to get back, you know, and and get back playing. It was sort of like that that sort of twelve months, that twelve eighteen months of having injuries, it sort of I had that running team through it that I tried to just come back that little bit too early because I was just dying to to play again. Um, but it was it was uh, it was my downfall in the end, to be honest. And and um, then I came back to training again. Just before I was a, I had a shutdown period then. Like I just needed to get this right. And I then I played in a under 23s game behind closed doors against Palace. And within the first 15 minutes, I'd done it again. And I was just like it was so frustrating, you know, because I was working incredibly hard to get back in. As as any player knows, when you're injured, it's it's really really frustrating times. You're you know you're in the gym, and I just felt miles miles away from it. I felt miles off it. Um, as club captain as well, you it's difficult. Then you know what I mean. It's difficult to 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 sort of to be vocal in the changing room. You know after games and that because at the end of the day, you're not out there on the pitch with the lads. And it was difficult to, uh, you know, it was, it was just, it was just, it was just difficult to, to sort of have a stamp on the team or to, to affect, to affect anything. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was tough times. And then even yeah. like, even I got to the stage where, because I was doing the captain's notes in the in the program before games, and actually at the stage I was thinking just skip me a couple of weeks because I'm just repeating myself and, and. I don't like telling lies in 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 captain's notes. I just don't want to be the yeah, great, yeah, thanks, we're doing great, and all this sort of generic crap. To be honest, I'd rather have a bit of a personal touch to it. And just at the time where I just had to skip skip a couple of weeks because I just I was just repeating myself. You know, keep with us, keep it. How 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 much can you keep saying that? You know, with the tough times we're going through, but. You know, I sort of stuck with it in the end, and you know, it was something. You know, that's your uh, captain's responsibilities, and I just had to sort of 
do the notes through, you know, gritted teeth at times and, you know, just try and get on with it. But it was, it was difficult. It was, it was quite difficult. Yeah, because you're there to motivate, but, like, you can't affect it. And, yeah, as we've seen with the current captain going through a bad time, you just feel like, what's the point of saying this, surely? Because we all know what we need to do here. We need yeah. to get wins, but it's just not coming. And even worse, in your position, not being able to affect it. Kind of, that must be so frustrating. And during that period, we see Gomez come in to take over from Paul Clement. How was your relationship with him? And did he kind of move you aside as in into that group of players that were definitely not going to play for the club again? And how would you deal? How did you deal with that? Well, I had a chat with I had a chat with um, um, Jose when he came in. Obviously, I was. I was I was just I, was, I think I was two weeks away from being back training, so I came in and he just had a chat with him, and I spoke to him just honestly, just spoke to him the way I'd whatever speaking to you or speaking to to anyone, and we just had a really good chat, and I said I was saying listen, I've been here for whatever three four years, I've put a lot of energy into this club, I know I know what's going on. I can, you know, I can help you out, like, you know, I can, and he was like, you know, great, you know, you, you, you stay as club captain and, and you know, we, I'm, I'm going to need your help because he did need me help because it was, a, it, was a, it was a difficult task, you know, he came in and it was, it was difficult, it was difficult for everyone that came in because there was such a, it was toxic, it was toxic at times and, you know, it was, it was difficult for, for the managers. And um, yeah, he needed every help he could get. Yeah, toxic is not a word that you really want to hear, but you can see it. <laughs> it was yeah. it was kind of self evident on the pitch that thankfully we stay up, and then you you are released by the club. Were you surprised by this? Were you expecting to be moved on, or did you hope for a new contract? Um, no, well, obviously I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not stupid. Like you know, I was. I played four. I played four games in the best part of eighteen months, and I felt in my time under Jose. I felt like I was getting back to a good level of fitness. I felt as if you know I'm, you know I'm ready now. I'm ready to get in and play, but I just never really nothing. I was just waiting for an injury, just waiting for something, but nothing really came my way. And then I remember we were training, and I think we trained fifteen days on the trot. Because I wasn't playing, I was like running after games and I probably overdone it a little bit. And I remember I had to have a shutdown of like six days because my hip had flared up. So I had a shutdown of six days and then I came back training. And the training we did when we came back, like Jose's training there was was quite tough. Like it was, you know, it was really tough at times, especially after like during international breaks. And when I was coming back from that six day layoff, um, going going into them two tough sessions, my Achilles, my Achilles flared up. I have a bit of tendonitis in my Achilles, but I'm always keeping on top of it and stuff. But when you rest tendonitis and then you go straight back into heavy sessions, it flares up, and it flared up like. And I was seriously, you should have seen me like walking. It was, you know, in the mornings I could I broke my stairs coming down in the mornings because I had to hold onto the banister so much that I actually twisted the the novel off the stairs. Okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I done me. I I I feeling my Achilles, and 
I was just getting through. It was so like painful. But then it was actually a game, the Preston game. I came on the Preston game. It was my first appearance since mm. since Blackburn. And I remember coming on, and I was literally on the pitch for thirty seconds, and I done my Achilles. I'd actually done it. You know, it was um, it was as simple as like I think Andy Adam was taking a throw in. I think I'd just done a sharp movement, and felt my Achilles. And it was it was like it was sore, but I just didn't have the heart to to put my hand up and say, you know, I have to come off because I, <laughs> I just felt embarrassed just because of the amount of injuries that I was going through. So I remember just seeing that game out, and I just felt like horrendous. You know, I just didn't want to. Yeah, I just didn't want to just get. I didn't want to get taken off. I didn't want to show people I was crocked, but I basically was at that time. You know, it was just a. Uh, yeah, it was just. My body was was going through the mill at the time, and um, yeah, so that was pretty much my season done after that because I was ruled out for three weeks, and yeah, it was pretty much the end of the season. So to finish my time at Reading like that was was frustration, but it was you know it was just it was just the way it was, and it was um, you know I, I I knew that my it was it was time to probably time to move on, just with the way the things went and. Those eighteen months, four games in eighteen months isn't good reading for for anybody. So, you know, yeah, it was, I was sorry. I I can see it coming. Yeah, no, it's fair, isn't it? What would you say was your best moment at Reading? My personal best moment for you was the West Brom match with that header, and he had the full on beard at that point. Yeah, yeah. I look back at that beard and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Like, it's not even tidy. It's just it was just a full, full grown like whiskers coming out up here and everything. My eyebrows were connecting into me locks. But um, yeah, it was yeah, it was a great game. That it was a great game. Um, especially going one 0 down. Uh, we had a decent decent cup run, and it was yeah, it was you know we played well. It was it was it was good. It was good times. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of it was one of many moments. You know, I I, I had some. You know some really good moments at Reading. You know the results, so it was very up and down. It was a big roller coaster. I'd say that. I'd say the whole second year was the Yapstam, um, the playoff, getting coming third in the league that year. Especially after the, the how we finished the previous year, I was you know expecting the worst. Like you know, turn up the preseason and there was we hardly had, we hardly had any players, and I'm thinking you know. It's, this could be we 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 will have to dig deep this year, but to 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 come third, I think that whole season, like that whole part of it was, you know, it was it was it was it was great satisfaction, except for the the play, like it was obviously brilliant so on such a high, coming into the last bit of the season, then to get sent off was probably the worst moment of nearly my whole career. So it was, um, that's football, I suppose. It's um. It's a it's a it's a one big roller coaster we're on. Reading just don't win playoff finals. We just don't win. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. that is. It's just something something that's happened. I don't know what it is. But I remember a performance that you had against Fulham in the rearranged fixture one, the one that was after the one that was called off because of the fog. And I think that personally, I think that was your best performance. Absolutely fantastic that night. You got mad at the match as well. I think. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was, you know what? That was actually, that was that could have been the start of my injury problems because not that game, not that game alone, but it was, 
because on Boxing Day, on Boxing Day we played Norwich, and um, I I broke my hand in the first minute of the game, so I I like broke them two bones, okay. and like yeah. So they like so I played that game, and then like I don't know how I got through that game. I was nearly being sick at half time and all. It was it was it was quite sore like, and then. I remember going for the X-ray, saying, "Yeah, two bones are are broke, and um, you need an operation because they're dislocated as well." So, um, so I couldn't train. So I was basically I got a splint made, and then I was just basically playing the games, and I wasn't training. So I sort of when you do that, it's it, it increases your risk of actually picking up little injuries, and that's when I started to I picked up little injuries. Then after that broken hand, you know, I was picking up the odd calf and then the odd hamstring and. I started then chasing me tail. That was that leading into the leading into the playoff final where I'd sort of missed five to six weeks where I could have, you know, would have been ideal to have had that run into the playoffs. But you know, that's just that's just the way things go. Amazing how one incident can just affect in a career, isn't it? Just a tiny thing, and you don't realise it at the time, and then all of a sudden it just impacts everything, doesn't it? So. Yeah, it was. It was just yeah, it was like you know, it, it impacted impacted quite a, whatever probably impacted a, a good year a year and a half but you know there were some you know some great times some great times in in in, in there as well and you know I, w- I probably wouldn't have changed it because if i if i sat out and missed the games at that crucial moment in in that in that period you know who says you know we, we mightn't have got to the to the playoff final so um i think the fulham semi-final away the one i got sent off in actually was you know, because we, geez, we've had some hidings at Fulham. Like, well, well, we, we was it, yeah, the the year, that year, earlier in the year, I think we lost 5-0, was it? Or was yes. it 5-0 or 5-1? it was 5-0. That was the one that absolutely blitzed and the Lupo just absolutely destroyed us. Yeah. So to go back, to go back to Fulham in this, in a semi-final of a playoff um, in Craven Cottage and the atmosphere, you know, was it was good and, um, I think to to get a result there, considering how bad we were at the start of the season, it was you know that was a that was one that will live in the memory, and then yeah. then to get sent off, it was you know I got martyred, I got martyred then in the, in the, <laughs> the game, but um, yeah, it was, you know there's so many good games being involved in in Reading, and um, but I'd I'd say the you know the the one that that second season was you know was, was special. Yeah, no, it definitely was special, even though it didn't happen up in success. It's still the best season we've had for many, many years at Redden Football Club. So, yes. thanks for opportunity for thanks for your uh, work at Redden Football Club, Paul. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Always a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.